a little bit sad that it's Labor Day weekend. I am with you. I love summer. I love everything about summer. I love the feel of the sun on my skin. It's like God's glory shining right on you. I, I just love that feeling. I love a break from work. I love uh, the fruits and vegetables, fresh local fruits and vegetables. This sermon is not brought to you by the Chesney Farm, nor by your farm market, but I love fresh fruits and vegetables. I love everything about summer. And there's always something sad about saying goodbye to that freedom and hello to routine. It makes me sad. Maybe it's also because my baby boy is going to high school. Oh, and my oldest son moved off to university. Anyway, Labor Day is sad to me, but, but I'm really glad to be with you here. Who knows, um, what's Labor Day weekend about? Why do we celebrate Labor Day weekend? Why did Canada celebrate its first Labor Day weekend in 1894? I am the only geek here who really cares, obviously. <laughs> But Labor Day was in, it founded in 1894 to celebrate, um, to celebrate labor. And to, so in 1894, just before then, there was a general transition in Canada. I like history, so I'm going to share it with you. So nobody fall asleep because I'm watching. All right, so there was a general transition in the late 1800s from Canada being a largely rural society to becoming more urban. So there was a transition in industry from primary industries like farming, um, forestry, mining, to manufacturing. So many people came into cities for jobs. And early manufacturing, early factories, they were sweatshops. They were horrible places to be. They were incredibly unsafe. And labor unions came and improved the situation in, um, in factories. Many of you who work in factories might argue with me that situations aren't better. It's fairly uh, mundane. And um, our view of work has kind of changed, right? I tried to get Benj in the band to play Loverboy, Everybody's Working for the Weekend. <laughs> Benj said, Loverboy, what is that? Anyway, that was a really bad British accent. Sorry, Benj. <laughs> Sorry, man. Anyway, he was not into the lover. He didn't think he could do all the... Um, the lover boy, everybody's working for the weekend. But sometimes that's what we do, right? Work is a necessary evil. But I'm here to talk to you this morning about, to answer two questions primarily. Why does our work matter to God? And why does God matter to our work? So, do we have a PowerPoint, folks? Awesome. Let's go right to the next one, okay? So a lot of my ideas are not original to me. I'd really like you to think I'm smart, but I borrowed a lot of the ideas. Um, in 2013, I had the privilege of attending the Faith and Work Conference in New York City. Some of you have heard of Timothy Keller. His church, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, um, formed a Faith and Work Center because they found that they have um, many people just for three years, many people go to New York City either for school or because they're rising in the, in the ranks of their industry. And he, he, felt, he felt called by God to really inform people how their faith and their work fit together, because often we've separated them. Many of my ideas are coming from this book, Every Good Endeavor, Connecting Your Work to God's Plan for the World. 
and it's a great book. Timothy Keller's also written many other books, but if you're interested in this area, if you are a leader in your, in your industry, read this book. It's a, it's a really great book. I don't have time to talk about all of it today, but I want to touch on some key things. So why does our work matter to God? So next slide, please. So our work matters to God because the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God got down to work. So that's the way it starts, right? In the beginning, God created. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God worked. God took nothing and made something. That's work, right? In any other religion, their gods do not work. It's unique that God, our Lord and Savior, the one and only God. Work was not too much for him. Work, he worked, he created, we read in Genesis 1 and 2, that God created and worked out of pure joy. At the end of each thing he created, he sat back and went, wow, that was really good. And Genesis 1 and 2, we see a pattern of work and rest. And God elevates work because God himself worked. In the New Testament, we read that Jesus also worked. We see in Mark uh, 3 verse sorry, Mark 6, verse 3, that Jesus, that they scoffed, they being, so the context of this verse, is that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, and he was wowing some people. Some people weren't so impressed, and the people that weren't so impressed, the leaders, they scoffed, and they said, he's just a carpenter. He, isn't he just Mary's son, and the brother of James, Judas, Simon, and Mark? Sorry, Judas and Simon, Mark is where it comes from. All right, so Jesus was identified first by his work and second by his family. Jesus worked, right? Jesus came, God became flesh, God with us. And he came and he was born into a poor family and he, he worked. He learned his father, his earthly father's trade. And he, the fact that he was a carpenter is actually fairly significant. Do we have any carpenters? In the in here, no any wannabe carpenters. Dan, I know you have lots of tools. You're a wannabe carpenter. Anyway, Jurgen, Jurgen helped build us an awesome dock. It was it's amazing. Anyway, so there are some wannabe carpenters. Jesus was a carpenter. He worked with his hands, and in that day, in the first century Greco-Roman culture, working with your hands was not highly esteemed. Working with your mind was. So being a philosopher was a highly esteemed position. Being a teacher was highly esteemed. But having dirty hands, having splinters in your hands, working with your hands was not highly esteemed. So Jesus, in being a carpenter, God with us, esteemed even work that was seen to be as lowly. The second reason why our work matters to God is because God gave us work. God created and he created us, and he said, hey, you're made in my image. I want you to carry on what, carry on and develop what I've created. In Genesis 1, we read, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, 
and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Genesis 2, the second story of creation, we hear that God took man and put him in the garden and said, work it and take care of it. So God gave us our work. God could have, God could have developed cities and towns and just placed us in, in them, right? And we have stories in the Bible where, sorry, my mouth gets really dry when I'm nervous. Um, there's stories in the Bible where God brings food to people, right? He could have just had ravens bring us food every day or have, have food fall from the sky every, as manna every day like he did with the people of Israel. But no, he, he said, I'm going to have work as part of my design for you. Part of what it means to be in my image is that you will be workers, co-workers in my creation. So even the fact of, of multiplying, of developing, developing cities, developing societies, that was part of God's plan for our work. And reigning, sometimes reigning is thought that it's um, lording our position over creation. But it's more than that. It's actually that we're trustees, that we're co-creators of God. We're, we get to take the raw product he's given us and we get to develop it further. So God, work our work matters to God because God gave it to us for us to do. So that was part that was part of the creation order. That was part of perfection, right? The first that work was good, work was beautiful, work was something that we were doing with God. But then came the fall. And the fall, as you know, brought sin into the world, made separate separation between us and God. So we were separated from God and every aspect of our life now becomes tainted with sin. So work also becomes tainted with sin. Part of, God, part of what God said to Adam and Eve as they were leaving the garden was, guys, now work is going to be hard. Adam and Eve, you're going to have to deal with thistles. You're going to have to deal with hard ground. Eve, you're going to have to deal with childbirth and childrearing as being really tough. So now because of sin... We have both in our work. We have both incredible joy and incredible fulfillment of the gifts and talents that God has given us. And we also have, sometimes our work is just a royal pain. Am I right? We have both. We have both. So um, sin tainted our work. And, and sometimes in, in history, particularly in church history, we've kind of lost sight of the importance of work. And so often um, work was separated into secular and sacred, right? There was a real disconnect. So we, when Martin Luther uh, started the Reformation, he, he started reading through the Bible and saying, hey, some of the things that I've been told by the church just, just don't jive. They just don't. They're just not correct. And so he started to look at what the Bible says about how God cares for us, how God provides for us. And he, he started saying, there's a real disconnect in how the church is viewing work. It's not just the monks and the nuns that are doing sacred work. All of us are doing great work. If we could go to the next slide, that would be really awesome. So Martin Luther started to read through the Bible and started to see how God provides for us. And then he started looking at society and what was going on. And he, I think 
this is a really cool descriptor. He started to call work the mask of God. And he started to call our work all work, not just work in the church, all work, the fingers of God, the fingers of how God provides for us. So he, in reflecting on work and reflecting on the Lord's Prayer, he wrote something kind of like this. I condensed and kind of made it not so 15th century. So Martin Luther said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we ask God to give us this day our daily bread, he does. And the way that he provides for us, the way that he gives us our daily bread is through the vocations, through, through the jobs, through the calling, the talents of farmers, yay farmers, millers, bankers, and in the 21st century, we really need to add truck drivers, right? Factory workers, bankers, warehouse attendants, the person at the checkout in the grocery store. But who else is involved? The people who, who decide where roads need to be, the people who maintain the roads, make the roads, all of those people, the people who construct the grocery stores, right? If, if we think of your toast this morning, basically think of all the different people who were involved in your toast or your bowl of cereal. It's amazing, isn't it? So if we didn't have food to eat, we wouldn't do so well, right? So Martin Luther's looking at what's usually looked at as fairly simple, not meaningful work, and is saying, hey, look, it's all very important. It's all part of God's plan of providence. God is at work. It's at work behind our work. Your work matters doesn't matter if your society values what you do. Your work matters to me. Isn't that cool? I think it's kind of fascinating. All right. So um, let's go to the next slide. Another quote is from J.R.R. Tolkien. Who's J.R.R. Tolkien? No, who? Who? He wrote Lord of the Rings, right? Influential, is he not awesome? Anyway, J.R.R. Tolkien was a Christian, and um, this is his view on work, that God gives us talents and gifts so that we can do for one another what he wants to do for us and through us. So our work, the way we use our gifts and our talents, the way we were blessed with things to do is a way to show love to God and love to our neighbors, right? Our work matters. And I, I think I just say more of the same in the next point. So our work is part of God's plan. God created us to work. We, sin happened. Our work was messed up. But our work is, God has used our work as part of the plan for redemption and restoration. Now let's move to uh, why does God matter to our work? So let's read from Colossians 3. So the first word is probably going to throw us slaves. So there's lots of discussion about whether or not, does the Bible actually condone slavery? It doesn't, but slavery happened in the first century, and in many ways you'll see through this passage that um, Paul isn't condoning slavery. Often slaves in the first century were indentured workers. So either they were captured by a country and they had to work for them for a certain amount of time, or if your family had some rough time and you lost your 
um, lost your employment, you would appeal to a rich family and you would say, can our family work for you for the next three, five years until we get our feet back on the ground? And you were seen as slaves, as menial laborers. But the other thing about first century culture was that um, you always addressed the most important person first. So when you were talking to a crowd, you would always say Caesar, then you would address the least, next most important person, like a, um, a philosopher, and then, and then you would save like the janitor or the person who um, scrubbed your shoes last, right? Because, but here Paul is saying slaves. He's addressing them first. He's saying, I'm addressing you first because you guys are really important. Even though what you do isn't valued by our culture, I'm going to talk to you first. So he's saying, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, and not only when their eye is on you, and to curry their favor. So folks doing menial labor who don't feel like what you're doing is important and you're only working hard at it because you have to when your bosses are looking, um, you know, think of your work differently. Think of it. Work at it with a sincere heart and reverence for the Lord. So whatever you do, whether it's esteemed or not, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So our work, whatever we do, whether we, whether we love it or whether we think it's meaningless putting a widget on a wadget, it's important, right? It's important because we can do it with our whole heart. We can work at it as, we're, as if we're working to, for the Lord. So masters, let's translate that into 21st century, managers, supervisors, bosses, be good to the people who work for you. Treat them, do what is right and fair, because you know that you have a master in heaven. So in addressing these two groups of people, he addresses them both as being under the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? He addresses them they need to regard each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. You were given these surveys on your way in. Were you given these? I see one under your seat, Robin, if you're looking. So I wanted to make a cool game show to you know, get some of you up here and do a whole family feud uh, survey says. Barb said that was hard, and I didn't give Barb very much time. Speaking of people who are awesome behind the scenes, has, does anybody know how awesome Barb Yonchar is? <laughs> Barb, she's blushing. She's blushing and she may not talk to me for a week, but she is awesome. She, uh, so let's, let's take a survey. Do you guys have these? All right, I'm going to read them out and you can put up your hands if you think this is true or not. So the way to serve God at work and work Folks, I want to define work more broadly than just paid employment, okay? Students, your work is going to school. Your work is doing the dishes for your family so you don't have dirty dishes to eat from because then everybody gets sick. Your work is important, right? And um, folks that are retired, your work might be praying for your family. Your work might be uh, your volunteering. Your work might be investing in your grandchildren. You know what tasks you do every day, and, and this is your work as well. Okay, so question number one. So the way to serve God at work is to further social justice in the world. Who thinks that's true? Kind of, yeah, kind of. 
so social justice, making, making um, our societies, making things better, right? Improving how things go. So the way we treat people um, at work, outside of work, so many of you got many of you folks are in caring professions. You care for people who are struggling. You are working to towards the embitterment of other people's lives. And so you're working for social justice. So that's totally a way that we can serve God at work. So the way to work, the way to serve God at work is to be personally honest and to evangelize to your colleagues. How many people think that's true? Yeah. So certainly we're, we're called on to be, to have integrity, to show that um, morally we're going to be honest with people, that we're going to, in our work, we're going to obey God's requests for our lives, right? And work is a great place to form relationships. Work is a place where I've, in this job and other jobs, I've found some of my best friends, some people who I really love right? Work is a great place to get to know people. And when you're getting to know them, you can't help but talk about why Jesus Christ makes a difference in your life, right? So absolutely. So the, how about the third one? The way to serve God at work is to do skillful, excellent work. Who thinks this is true? Hands. Absolutely, right? God's given us talents and abilities and and I really hope that um, in your work, you're able to use your talents and abilities. Students, young folks, do work that you love, right? Do work that you can use your skills and abilities. Don't, don't take a job because you think it's going to impress your mom and dad. Mom and, moms and dads, come talk to me later if, if your child um, is an artist instead of a banker. But certainly do jobs that God has gifted you for, right? Do jobs where you can show honor and love to God and you can serve your um, Lord and Master. And do, do things that, that um, are skillful and amazing. How about um, we, the best way to serve God at work is to create beauty. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. Um, I... I love and admire creative people. I think it's amazing how, how people can take a boring hallway of a church and make it into something gorgeous, right? Like, that is just phenomenal. I love walking in this place because I get to see the tree and, and the mountain. I, I, it's, it's awesome. So, so in your work, make beautiful things. And that might be making a beautiful thing out of a relationship with a colleague or in some other way. But in your work, serve God by making things beautiful. So in your work is the best way to serve, is a way to serve God, to work from Christian motivation to glorify God and to seek to engage and influence culture to that end. There are a lot of big words. But basically, yes, we've talked about that, haven't we? How about the way to serve God at work is to, with a grateful and joyful gospel-changed heart through all the ups and downs. Anybody think this is true? All right. Wow. I have some learning to do in this area. My elevator goes fairly quick. Up, down, up, down. Anyway, and it's, it's hard to have a, a joyful heart at all times. But I think, like Shailene was talking about, when, when life throws you a big bullet of dust and you have to deal with it, 
and you know that maybe this is God creating a pearl in your life, that's, uh, then we have, we have to show, even in the good times and the bad times, that God is with us and God is good. So can we serve God at work by uh, doing whatever gives you the greatest joy and passion? We talked about that, especially young folks. Do, do what you're passionate about because God gave you that passion. God gave you those gifts and abilities. And how about to make as much money as you can so that you can be gener- as generous as you can? I don't really love this one, mostly because I'm a little more left-leaning than most. But, um, but sure, we are, many of us, many of you are um, given great jobs so that you can be a blessing to others. You are well compensated for your gifts and abilities and your work. And it's a way that you can be generous. It's a way that you can tithe and build the kingdom. Absolutely. So, so our work matters. God, God transforming our lives matters in our work. But there can be some temptations, can't there? We can, make, we can take our work from being a good thing to being the thing. Because when you meet someone for the first time, generally you exchange names and then what do you exchange? what you do right and um my very first job was being a greenskeeper at craig allen golf and country club so i got to like mow grass and uh rotor till and and rake up the sand traps and i was not feeling very esteemed in that job and and i was a little kind of i just i did it for a while because it was a beautiful place it was great but I saw people driving in in cars I could never imagine, right? Like, wow. And, um, and I started to think position is more important than jobs. And I needed to, to, rethink about, to rethink the way I was viewing what was important. So we can make an idol out of the money that we earn. We can um, put all of our identity in our work, right? We can say that we work to provide for our families, but work can really take us uh, pretty far away from our families. So holding that balance, holding our work as a good thing, but not the ultimate thing is really, really important. Identifying ourselves as children of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, rather than identifying ourselves by our work is a really important thing to do. So I hope I've clarified a little bit today why um, why work matters to God, how your work is important no matter what you do. Your work is a way to love and glorify God and a way to love your neighbors. So let's uh, check out this video. Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their jobs. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. 
We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, or around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. Awesome. Well, why don't you stand with us? We want to respond to that this morning. Thank you, Joyce, for sharing that with us. Um, Work is worship, and I think we have a unique opportunity this morning because we've been speaking about it as we sing this next song, which we've sung many times as a church, to take what is work to us, whether you're a student, whether you're employed, whether you're retired, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, whatever it is that you do, to actually give that to God, whether it is you give Him your hands this morning as we sing this, or you give Him your mind or your relationships. And let's lift this up to Him, and let's ask Him to build His kingdom among us and through us here at IPC. Let's sing this together. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in as we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Because we are your church and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for your proud joy and prize. To see the captive hearts release the hurt, the sick, the poor peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause, oh God. Cause we are your church and we pray with God. So build your king. 
Oh, hey, let come set 